Love you, Marco. Uh, more impressions, please. <laughs> I like your stuff. It's much more spicy and interesting. Where the hell did that come from? Uh, I love you, Marco. Oh, my God. You're a great interviewer, a great conversationalist. I just never forgot you. <laughs> <laughs> Babble Bullshit and Beyond is a new podcast hosted by me, Marco Kiris. A man coming out of the shadows after a long decade working with Nicolas Cage, or as I like to call it, my cage wage world. Just some fluff and then some stuff on the party that unites us through pop and all things Hollywood. Today on the show we have Charlene, the LA-based singer discussing her past one-hit wonder global love ballad, I've Never Been to Me, back in 1982, and her harsh struggles in both her private and professional life. We caught up with her at home. So, Charlene, thank you for coming on the show today. How are you? I'm fantastic, Marco. Thank you. It's so Good. great to be here. It is great to have you on here. And I see your little puppies are on in the background. They look lovely. Oh, I know. I've got How five. Many, five donkeys. <laughs> How I'm do you a, take care of them? Well, um, one bowl at a time. Uh, <laughs> for feeding. <laughs> oh, it's I, you know what? They're like little kids. They're like little children. Mm-hmm. You can go out and then come back in an hour and they're like, oh, mommy's home, mommy's like you haven't been there in years. You know, you're so cute. Well, that's what keeps you youthful and they look adorable. So they're like little, you know, it's a lot of poop and scooping, I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah, there is. But, you know, it's, they're fantastic. They're my babies. <laughs> good, good. The weather is, looks fantastic out there in, in Cali, unlike, uh, unlike here. Oh. Ugh. Wow, you've been yeah, in some snow, haven't you? Oh, snow and Arctic cold, just like Chicago. Only uh, oh, we're man. we're the sister city up north in Toronto. Oh. So, but we're we're dealing with it. I'm a little raspy because of the cold, but I'm I'm happy and I'm thrilled to have you. I oh. want to ask you, Charlene, because we're going to go right down to okay. to the global hit. I've never been to me. Okay. An amazing song. It was released twice. Big hit, number one all over the world. Yes, it did you justice, and it it. Probably a couple hundred million people love this song and love the lyrics. Tell me how you got to be chosen to be the singer of this hit when they could have chosen anybody and you were you were not known in the in the music industry. Right. I wasn't. Well, the thing is, I was signed to Motown back in the early 70s. My ex-husband mm-hmm. played guitar and I sang and we were at a party and this lady approached me and she said, God, I love your voice. She goes, do you guys have any music? And I said, no, I said, no, we don't have anything. Although a friend of ours approached my ex, my husband, Larry at the time, and he had a song called Sweet Sad Clown that he wants us to do. And so she said, here's my number, go do the song and call me when you're done, right? So we went into the studio and I was like, I, I never considered myself a singer ever because I sang with the Beatles and I sang with We Five. Do you remember mm-hmm. that group? 
No. You were on my mind. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Oh, I love that song. And I love that girl's voice. So I used to sing along with her. And so we go into the studio with this song, Sweet Sad Clown. And the engineer and my ex-husband were like looking at me like, what, you know, and I'm like, is everything okay? They go, come here, come here. So I go in there and they played it and it was amazing. I said, that's me? Because remember, when you're listening in a studio, the speakers are like as big as a wall. So you're mm-hmm. hearing your voice amplified, you know, just magnified by 150 times. And I was like, that's me. And I was like, I was blown away. So we did the demo. I called the girl that I met at the party and she listened to it. She said, she said, Charlene, she goes, I work for Sammy Davis Jr. And I'm dating Barry Gordy, Motown. Wow. And I'm like, oh, whoa, <laughs> Motown. Wait. I said, is that Diana Ross's place where she sings? That's what I said, where she yeah. sings. And she goes, yeah. And I, oh, my God. I love Diana Ross. And I sang along with her and everything. So she gets the song and she takes it, right? We meet up and she mm-hmm. takes the song. And she calls me in about a month and said, Charlene, Barry Gordy wants to meet you. He loves the song and he loves your voice. And I'm like, oh, crap. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Wait. Wow. The same man that talks to Diana Ross talks to me. <laughs> now, remember, you're just a kid because you're in your, what, like late teens or something. So, or 22, way back years. then. Yes. So, of course, you're super excited. Anybody would be, but back then it was the heyday. Yeah, I know, I know. So, anyway, she goes, oh, Barry's doing a movie called um, uh, Lady Sings the Blues with Diana Ross, (laughs) the Billie Holiday story. So, I'm like, oh, man, okay. So, he invited me to come to the commissary. Mm Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers. So I walk in in my overalls because I'm a country girl, right? (laughs) I had horses and stuff like that. So um, I walk in and Barry is, I didn't know what he looked like because I never met him. He's at the Mm -hmm. table with Diana, Barry Dillard, who's a big executive guy for Warner Brothers. And so I walk in and I'm I'm like, kind of like piece of wood. I was like a piece of wood. I was so nervous, but Mm -hmm. I had a lot of bravado in me. You know, I had a lot of confidence and I had finally found out that I can sing and I found out that people like my voice and I thought this can't be half bad. So I sit down and he goes, so Charlene, I like your song, my song, Sweet Sad Clown. Do you know what it's about? I said, no, I don't know. But a friend of my, my husband at the time wrote it and I don't really know the origin of the song. He says, will you sing it for me now? And I said, oh. oh, now, yeah, and there's Diana there, there's Barry, there's other executive people. And I'm Jesus. like, oh, my gosh. He goes, stand up and sing it. He wanted to check me out. That's ah. what Barry Gordy was about. He wanted to see if you have any gusto in you. So I stood yeah. up and I sang it. I stood up and wow. I sang it with fearless. And I was just, it was like something took me away and kind of made me have this confidence in me that I sang and it was it. Mm-hmm. And he said, that was beautiful. Within two months, I was mm-hmm. signed to Motown records as an oh artist. My God. I know as an artist 
And my husband at the time was signed as a musician writer. And we started wow. writing songs and our songs were okay. They weren't that great. But then being on the label, I started working with these producers. Uh, mm -hmm. Bob Gaudio from the Four Seasons who did all their, he's now in the, in the Hall of Fame. And yeah, in Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> he worked wow. with me. And then, and then uh, Smokey Robinson worked with me. We did a. Wow. We're hoping to do the title song for Diana Ross's next movie called Mahogany, mm -hmm. which. Oh my God! Mahogany, Can you right? imagine? I know. You're just a kid. Mahogany and Lady Sings the Blues. I know. I know. So anyway, me and me and uh, Smokey did the did the demo of it. It was okay, but Michelle Legrand, the composer hmm. of it, who's brilliant brilliant composer he brilliant yeah he felt that it was better without the lyrics and just being an instrumental so they kind of dropped dumped the lyrics and the everything like that they did they just wanted an instrumental and it was beautiful oh it was called wow. happy happy oh my gosh wow. this piece was gorgeous so anyway i'm working with all these people and hal davis of the temptations starts working huh. with me and i do one day in your life and it was going to be mm -hmm. on my little album. I haven't even had an album yet. I was just doing a bunch of songs. So one day in your life, I sang it. I sounded just like Michael Jackson. I sounded <laughs> exactly <laughs> like him. I mean, when I hear that song now, when I hear uh -huh. it now, I when he starts, one day in your life, it's like, that's me. That's my voice. And it's like, wow. I'm going, oh, my God, deja vu. Like, it's me. But he took the song and got a hit with it. And then I just proceeded to do a lot of other songs with all the different wow. producers. Wow. So, Isn't that something? Yeah. The Michael Jackson song. I can't believe it. it. And it sounds just like you. So he was basically, to me, it almost sounds like he just mimicked you. And there he was doing it. That's amazing. He did. <laughs> he did. I and know. he knows it. A lot of people do that stuff. Yeah. Like they, they're, they're very clever when they go and they record. They're like, oh, this sounds really cool. I'm going to just do it that way. And then it becomes a hit because they have their own brand and you That's, don't yet. Yeah. And they had the name, the Jackson Five. So of course. he was already out there and I was just kind of a little seed coming up, you know, yeah. and, and just more songs and more composers and writers at Motown at 6500 Sunset Boulevard was our hangout. Wow. That was the Motown building. 16th wow. and 17th floor was where all the artists came and hung out in 16th floor. And 17th floor was all the legal stuff, the attorneys and all that. And on the 16th floor was where I'd go like every day. And you just, you go hang out. You go hang out yeah. and you meet artists and you meet writers and, and, you, and you just get a feel of the whole feeling of Motown. You know, the mm -hmm. Motown sound, it was like, oh, it just came from Detroit. It just came from Hitsville. Now it's in L.A. But Marco, the sound of the Motown sound was like no other sound. Absolutely oh, Absolutely yeah. world changing. They mm -hmm. changed. It was. The Beatles copied them. Everybody mm -hmm. followed in the steps of Motown. And mm -hmm. I got to be on the very tail end of the 60s, going into the early 70s, and we'd mm -hmm. all be up in the building. And then I was approached by a big 
Jewish guy. Yeah. He had he looked like a gorilla. He had so much hair on him. <laughs> <laughs> but he was so he was kind of, he was kind of scary looking. And he had the deepest voice. Hi, hi honey. Hi, Charlene. I, I hear your voice. And you had a beautiful uh. voice. He says, but I've got a song for you, you know, and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. He goes, I think they're putting you all in a different direction. You're not Michael Jackson. You're not Diana Ross. You're not Smokey Robinson. You're Charlene. And he said, mm-hmm. come in and hear the song. Okay. So I go into his little office and he's got one of those little rickety, rickety tape recorders. You slide yeah. the tape in and you push the button mm-hmm. and on comes, hey, lady, new lady, cursing at your life. You're a discontented mother and a regimented wife. I've no doubt you dream about the things you'll never do, but I wish someone had to talk to me like I want to talk to you. And in this time of my life, I was in a pretty, pretty bad relationship with my husband, Larry. Mm -hmm. Pretty bad. It got really kind of crazy. And I was going through a lot. I was very sensitive. I started crying, Marco. I started crying. And Ron wow. sat well, back. While you're listening to this demo. Oh, my gosh. He sat back, folded his arms like he had the look of terror on his face. Like, what did I do? Uh, and I said, sir, I don't know your name. I don't really know you. But this song is my life. This song, mm-hmm. I love it. So he called Barry. Called Barry. Said, we've got to get this girl into the studio. Wow. I think she could really nail this song because I kind of sang along with it a little bit and he heard, mm-hmm. oh my God, he heard my voice. And it was just like, this is spectacular. Wow. So Barry got us in the studio with Kenny Hirsch, who did the music. Most mm-hmm. unbelievable Juilliard musician. This kid at the time, he's a little bit older mm-hmm. than me, but at the time we were both very young, played the piano and it was just magic. It was magic. This song. I wish I had the demo still, but that's so many years ago. I don't know where it ended up, but Ron played it for Barry. And Barry said, we are taking this girl in the studio. They got 30 violins. They got a harp. They got a band, the best band in LA. Wow. They got everything you can imagine in making this song the most beautiful symphony of music. I mean, I have a backing track of it. Uh-huh. I'll turn it down sometimes. I'll t- I'm not turn it down. I'll, I'll turn it to the point where I just hear the music and not the vocal and just mm-hmm. not the backing tracks, the singing. And the violin lines are beautiful. And Don mm. Costa, rest his soul, he passed away a long time ago. He used to do all the arrangements for Frank Sinatra. He did wow. all the violins. And we just created a masterpiece. Hmm. It was wow. beautiful. Wow. So, um, so Charlene, that sounds mesmerizing to be a part of that as a young singer in your early 20s. Yes. How exciting is it? It was, it, you know, it was mind-blowing. It was absolutely mm-hmm. the highest point. Me, a little girl who grew up in Hollywood and Vine, literally wow. remember putting the stars in the street. I remember that. I was like, what are they doing? My mom said, oh, they're putting, they're putting some kind of stars in the street. And I'm like, really? And then wow. I, I remember them building Capitol Records. The record, oh my God. The round building that was like a yeah, record. Yeah, it's still there. Oh my gosh, I know it's still there. 
So isn't that something? Yeah. So coming from that and the kind of, you know, being around the music and being, you know, coming from that feeling of Hollywood and music industry. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden I'm talking to Diana Ross. You know what? Diana named her baby after my first daughter. No. My daughter. Yes. My daughter's name is Chadney. And she's the Uh one I had when I was 17. Well, she had a little girl. She named her Chudney. Oh. Chudney. (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's that's different. It's kind of similar, but it was, you know, a little different. But I felt it so, so honoring that she Mm -hmm. named her daughter after my daughter's name. She loved her name. And then she called her Chudney. So it was like very interesting. That's cute. Let me yeah. ask you. So you already had a daughter as well. And, you know, you're young, so you're not sure what's going on. You're married. You're just this kid yourself. And you have a daughter and, and you're becoming this singer. And you're from Hollywood and Vine, which was a kind of a rough area back then. Yeah. You know, you know, I like were your parents in the business where they I mean, it's surprising that you would be from that area at that age way back then. Yeah. Well, no, they weren't in the business. They my mom came from New York City where she was born oh, wow. to Hollywood, met my dad, who was from Long Beach, came to Los mm. Angeles doing carpentry work. He was a brilliant master at painting mm. and designing. He did movie stars homes. He did all wow. the stars like like uh, Lee Marvin and John Wayne and all these, he did their homes. He did all kinds of decorating. He was wonderful. They passed away, both of them passed away 20 years ago, but they were both Mm -hmm. in the arts of art and design. And my mom Mm. was an artist and she did portraits of of the President Roosevelt. She got a letter back that we were not able to find, Marco. We don't know what happened. We don't know if if help came in and kind of took them. They mm-hmm. got thrown out or whatever. Um, she did portrait of Elvis Presley. Got a letter wow. back. Mae West got a picture signed. Come up wow. and see me sometime. And my mom was hmm. a. Um, she suffered from very deep depression, so it okay. was it was hard, but very beautiful artist. She worked in New York City before she came to L.A. Um, She had to redo all the windows that Salvador Dali had done on Broadway, because if you can imagine Salvador Dali's mind in Uh art and what he did with mannequins, he probably probably had a hand in there, (laughs) in the hand with a, you know, what he did. (laughs) And my mom told me that the manager and the designer of the store said to Mm -hmm. Lorena, her name was Lorena, Please come in here and fix these windows. Please, you gotta wow. fix these windows. So yeah. Wow, did. that's that's a big deal. Yeah. And good for her. And then yes. she made it all the way into Hollywood and stuff and started working right. and her dad was working and and there you were, this this young girl wanting to be a singer, and then you get yeah. married and you have a kid, and now you're starting to fly high, but you're still with a child and a, and a husband that maybe the relationship is not so hot. It's not so hot. Yeah. 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 Like most first time young yeah, relationships back yeah. then. And yeah. Now, I would say pretty much. My young yeah. daughter is 51 going on uh. 52. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I, don't <feel> like, <laughs> I don't feel like it. When she and I go out, people think that I'm her friend 
or she's, yeah. you know, we're like friends and, or sisters or something. And they go, yeah. daughter, that's your mom. It's like they, cause I had her so young and I, yeah. you know, I was young. I was 21 going on like five. Yeah. <laughs> always very, very immature, but really fun loving. I love to laugh. I love to dream. I love to sing. I love to write. I've just been mm-hmm. in the studio this last couple of weeks doing a couple tracks of some songs that I wrote. They're beautiful, beautiful kind of country. Ooh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited. Wow, Charlene, that's great. So you st- you still have that young little bubbly thing that you did back then, that, okay. that really, and you look great. The truth is, you look amazing. Thanks. But and now you're a blonde. You're a hot, a blonde sexy mama blonde. Now. You know, from that from that radiant brunette to a stunning, sexy blonde. <laughs> I wanted Still. to change. I turned sixty five, and I thought, okay, what can I change? Uh-huh. I'm not going to do plastic surgery because I don't want to do that. I don't have the money for yeah. it. So what can mm-hmm. I change? My hair. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you don't need the surgery because you're still wrinkleless at, you oh, said you're 68 now. At 68, you still are, are lacking the wrinkles of a, oh. of a 48-year-old, let alone a 68-year-old, because I'm watching you right now. With bad lighting, I'm watching you. You look amazing. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. You look great. Thank you so much. I, I need Good for that. you. And we your energy that. is very positive, and so is your look. You know, yeah. it's, you know, all these years later to go through that whole, I want to ask you to go back to the song. So now you've sung this song oh yes tell me because it's such a global hit and i want to focus more on that and then trickle down a few other things but here you are you haven't got an album together but you're you got songs and did they just release this as a single is that what happened they released it in in 1976 77 kind of borderline 76 77 and Mm -hmm. we were all excited we thought oh my gosh this song is beautiful people would hear it and go oh that's incredible so they released it and mm-hmm. it, it, you know what was different about it, Marco? The original release in, in 1976 didn't have the talking part. Hey, you oh. know what paradise is? It's a lie, a fantasy. It didn't have that in it. Okay. And they mm. released it as just when that part came, it was instrumental. And then it went back. Sometimes I cry for, you know, things like that. So it, it had that out of it. And it went to 97 on the pop charts. And then it just kind of softly went away. And, Mm -hmm. oh, I was heartbroken because that vocal took me so long to do. It took me so long to get that vocal because I'd never sung anything like that. And Ron was a really hard producer. He was tough. He was tough. He knew what he wanted. And boy, I had to step up. So we were all like hoping and, and nothing happened. And it literally broke my heart. And I've been doing all these songs, all these things for Michael and singing this, singing that, doing all this music and nothing's happening. And I kind of got really kind of fed up with it. I was like, you know, I've been with a label like eight years, seven, eight years on the label and nothing. And I'm just just singing all these songs. And and that's a big label. We're talking with Motown. Motown. So there was minimal promotion after that for the songs you've yes. done, a few albums you're saying. Yes. So a few albums later, big record company, if you can't break through and they're not promoting you with, with literally the biggest record company there is, oh. you did, like, what do you do? You just kind of give up. Right, right. Well, I did kind of give up and I felt, yeah. I felt like I betrayed myself because 
I love music so much, Marco. I love it mm-hmm. to this day. When I play, I play piano and I sing and I'm like, you know, to this day when I sing and play, I'm just like in a different world, you know, and mm-hmm. I love it. And I was so heartbroken that I I started going to church and I met this guy, Jeff, in Sunday school and he was so cute. He looked just like John Lennon. And I thought, oh, my God, he's so cute. And then he spoke and he was British. And I'm like, I'm in love. I'm in love. Uh, <laughs> I'm in love. Well, and this is just to backtrack. This is after you've divorced your first husband. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 this is Sorry. so. Your first husband is done and yeah. gone, right? First husband, I had so to get he's away out from. the de- yes, yes go away. Things weren't so hot. It's I'm time s- to move on. So sorry, I should have. And now that. that's okay. I'm just that's this is how stories go. Yes. And then <laughs> yes. you meet this lovely British man in yes. church yes. here in LA. In LA, and actually in mm-hmm. Van Nuys. So oh. we're dating, and we like each other a lot. And he says, "Come to England and marry me." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh! Oh crap! Oh crap!" So I told mom and dad, mom and dad, you know, I'm 30. I was like 29, 30 years old at this time. Mm-hmm. Okay, I say, "Mom, dad, I'm I'm going to be going to England and marrying Jeff." And they're like, "Oh no!" You're crying, and uh, so anyway, I go, and we get married. We are just about to get married. Uh-huh. Now, I have been away from Motown now for about two or three years. Mm-hmm. I've been away. Okay, I've been, you know, doing okay. my own thing in my life and trying to sort my life out. And about 1981, late, mm-hmm. late 81, like November, the coldest winter in England, I thought I was going to die. It was so cold. And I've been from California my whole life. So my mom called me. The phone rings two in the morning. I run downstairs, answer the phone. Hello. She goes, Charlene, somebody from Motown keeps calling me to find you. They want oh. help. And I'm like, from Motown, Motown, Motown record. That was never been to yes. me. Record. Never been to me. Cry. Uh, sad. <laughs> and I'm going through all this mental processing. Like, mm-hmm. why? It's got to be something. Something's wrong. It's not. Because right away, the way my mind works is possibility, mm-hmm. possibility, possibility. Of course, that's, that's the way. And, way it's, I, and it's Motown, but now you're married and, and you're in England and you're with yes. your hubby and you're out of the business, yeah. but your heart's still in the music My business, but you're, all, you you went with your husband yes. and, and he wanted to be there. So you went there like a lot of people do. Yes, yes. So, and I said, mom, did they say what they want? She goes, no, I don't know. So she says, she, I'll give them, the, give them the number. So about two weeks later, I get a call from a man named Jay Lasker. And he mm-hmm. says, is Char- Charlene, I go, yeah. He goes, honey, I'll never forget. He goes, honey, come back to America. You're on the charts with a double bullet. Huh. On the char- <laughs> on the what with a double what? <laughs> <laughs> and for what? <laughs> on, the, on the what with a double what? What are you talking about? He goes, honey, uh, your song is a hit. And I, I said, what are you talking about? He says, I've never been to me. I said, what? And all of a sudden, my blood just goes crazy. I'm chilling all over the place going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I'm getting, I've been away from this for years, but I feel I'm right back. 1976, mm-hmm. where where the record was released and we cried and it didn't make it, but I'm right back there again. And I'm like, 
oh my God. So Charlie, how does that happen? I mean, now it's 1982. How does a song get re-released? I'd seen that here with a song called Seasons in the Sun by Terry Jackson. It was released in Canada. It was a number one hit. Three, four years later, it gets released in the States and it was a number one hit there. So this seems like who went out to re-release this or play it on the radio? How did that happen? Like it just doesn't happen. Somebody had to play it and somebody had to call in. Okay. What was going on? I'm going to tell you. Okay. Okay. Well, Jay Lasker had a really good friend named Scott Shannon. Scott Shannon had heard I've never been to me and he loved it. He loved it. So I got to get to it. I've got to rewind on something because the talking part, Ron had me put the talking part in, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't released in, in 1976. They kept it out. They took it out. Oh, the talking part in the song. Yes. Hey, you know what paradise is? It's a lie. Fantasy we create about people. They put it back in in 1982, oh. but but they had it in there. They had to put it back in because it was released without me knowing it. I'm like, how could they have done that? I mean, without I was I could have been dead. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. Who I am. <laughs> so Scott Shannon loved I've never been to me, and he said, you know what? I'm going to do a test. He was in Tampa, Florida, at a big radio station, kind of like a kiss or whatever station Mm -hmm. that was huge in tampa florida so he Mm -hmm. he goes um okay kids or people whoever's listening i want you to judge two songs olivia newton john's physical physical Mm -hmm. i want to get okay which i'm not a real fan of but that's okay yeah (laughs) and then i've never been to me charlene right who's nobody who nobody knows so he he did a test market test market test market He called Jay Lasker and said, you better find this girl. The phones are lighting up like I've never seen before, like Christmas trees. Olivia John's song is gone. They don't care about her. They want Charlene. He said, what are we going to do? And so Jay Lasker talked to Motown and they printed up like a thousand and they put them in Tampa, Florida at a radio rate at a record store. Bam, they were sold. He said, you better get this girl here because you guys have got a mega hit. So how it charted, I don't know. I don't know really how it charted, but they got in touch with me. They came over to, they flew over to London where I was living. We went to a castle called Blickling Hall in Norfolk, Hmm. way up north in England, this castle. It was like thousands of acres of land, beautiful. And they did video in my wedding dress that I was going to wear for my wedding. I wasn't even married yet. You're right. Oh my God. So we did the video (laughs) in my wedding dress. It was absolutely beautiful. It was, oh my, it was Marco. I was like in a dream. I was in a dream. I couldn't believe what was, what was going on. So I did the video calling all my friends and family and it's like, oh my gosh. So they go, honey, you got to come to 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 New York. You're going to do Good Morning America with one of the Bee Gees. Wow. Are you kidding? Me? Just like that. Just like that. You're living a modest life in England. All of a sudden, you're a superstar. I was working in a candy store wow. on Bow Road in London, making about five pounds a week, which is about wow. $10 a week. And yeah. going in the snow, on the train, getting off, cleaning the store, cleaning the shelves, mopping the floor, meeting some yeah. fantastic people because I'm American. Yeah. They're all like, oh, my God, you're American, you know. Uh. <laughs> so, so anyway, 
I get on Concord Air. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a Cinderella story because you thought you were sure we're going to have that big hit years ago with Motown. All the superstars are around you. Nothing happens, and you're humble enough to just to go back and say, "Hey, I'm going to have a nice life. I love this man. I'm going to live here. It's so pretty." And then all of a sudden, the slipper. Yes. Concord Airlines flying at like you know nine billion feet up in the air and going a hundred billion miles an hour, (laughs) and I. Uh, I get it to New York City three hours later. I'm doing the show. I did all these TV shows all over New York, cooking show. I cook chicken and all these shows where you cook. You know, the stars mm-hmm. come on and yeah, cook, yeah, yeah. doing that stuff. And then did radio shows, did, oh, my gosh, all kinds. It was just like my head was spinning. And then I came back to L.A. I flew back to L.A., to meet with some people, met my attorney who told me I made kind of a mistake in signing a contract, which that's another story. And I just kind of went back and went back to England and, and just unbelievable. Then I'm back in England Mm -hmm. and Ron goes, I've got your second hit. I said, really? I'm like, Oh my God, that's great. And he goes, and Stevie wonder is going to sing with you. Wow. well, I love Stevie. Stevie knew me. He loved, he loved me. He always, yeah. he used to sit next to me up at Motown building and, and play and mm-hmm. say, Charlene, sing this. And I'd sing above him and we'd kind of blend together. And he was just wonderful. So we did a song called Used to Be. And mm-hmm. the lyric was so ahead of its time, Marco. Yeah. It was too ahead of its time. It had it had just absolutely knocked the ball out of the park and people were watching it just go, Oh my God, we can't hear that right now. So Isn't that something? <clears throat> are are you able to say the lyrics? Do you want to? Um Oh, I would love to, you? you know, just like I would love to, for you to do that. I've never been to me. Okay. I, I would, cause I'm still going to ask you more questions about that song, but I would love it. First of all, Stevie wonder, what a great follow-up to be oh, with the my, legend Stevie oh, wonder of Motown. Stevie. So what was this song? Why was it so blasphemous? Okay. I mean, it's a listen, song. Listen to this, honey. Superman was killed in Dallas. There's no love left in the palace. Someone took the Beatles lead guitar. Have another Chevis Regal. You're 12 years old and sex is legal. Your parents don't know where or who you are. Used to be the hero of the ball game. Took the time to shake the loser's hand. Used to be that failure only meant you didn't try in a world where people gave a damn. Great big wars in little places. Look at all the frightened faces. But don't come here. We just don't have the room. Love thy neighbor's wife and daughter. Cleanse your life with holy water. We don't need to bathe. You've got perfume. Used to be a knight in shining armor, didn't have to own a shiny car. Dignity and courage were the measure of a man, not the drugs he needs to hide the scar. Does your teacher read? Does your preacher pray? Does your president have soul? Have you heard a real good ethnic joke today? Mama took her speed. Daddy ran away. But you mustn't lose control. Let's cut a class. I've got some grass. The kids are wild. We just can't tame them. Do we have the right to blame them? We fed them all our indecision, rape their minds with television. But what the hell? They're too young to feel pain. I believe that love can save tomorrow. I believe that truth can set us free. Someone tried to say it, and we nailed him to a cross. I guess it's still the way it used to be. 
Now, can you imagine that coming out in 1983? Wow. Between you and Stevie Wonder, you, this this little biblical looking girl and Stevie Wonder. Yeah, it was, I was banned in the South because I was Hmm. huge in the South, but he was black and I was white, even though Ebony and Ivory came out. But Mm -hmm. Michael was, Michael was, wait, it was Michael and Stevie. Michael. It was Michael and uh, Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, that's right. But he was a male. Yeah, 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 you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Male, male and male. That's right. I got, I got confused. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but it was Charlene, the little girl, and Stevie. Yeah. They would not accept it. And I got banned in England because there's no love left in the palace. We weren't talking about parliament. We were talking mm-hmm. about the White House. We were talking about, does she read? Does your preacher pray? Does your president mm-hmm. have soul? Have you heard a, you know, it's all based, really America-based. Superman mm-hmm. was killed in Dallas. That's John F. Kennedy. Someone took the Beatles' lead guitar. That was John Lennon. Yeah. Have another Chevis Regal. You're 12 years old and sex is legal. People thought, oh, you're saying it's okay. No, it's saying, isn't it horrible? Yeah. yeah. Isn't it sad? Isn't this it is really sad? happening. This all happened. So people totally misconstrued the whole song. And I got a middle page of Us magazine with me holding the Statue of Liberty torch, like right behind me was the Statue of Liberty. And my husband mm-hmm. having his leg, his arms wrapped around my legs. And the title was Magnificent Failure. Oh, my God. Does that not just collapse you? Used to be destroyed my career. And we're like, wow, you know, you cannot talk about this. You cannot talk about these kind of topics. But today, it would be like so perfect. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wouldn't it? Wow. It would be. It would be a number one hit. I know. It would be a a top hit. I know it would. Wow. What a shame. And that basically killed your career at that point. Record companies are like, what is she thinking? It did. I know. And then I, and then I continued to go on and do a rock and roll album called Hit and Run Lover, which Mm -hmm. was fun. I kind of got my, you know, rocks out, you know, kind of like rock and roll with it. And I played a little bit of drums on it and kind of do that kind of thing. And that was fun. Mm -hmm. And then, but it just kind of like, I was dragging this horse. (laughs) It's like I was dragging. I was dragging this horse. It wasn't happening. And then it just, you know, it kind of got away from me. Yeah, it got away from me. And it was very sad. And and a lot of stuff went down in my life. But the song that was, so that song was a global hit. It was what, number three in America, way back in 82, 83? And number one all over the world, everywhere. Including my country here in Canada. Six weeks, number one there. Six Six weeks. weeks in Australia, one week in England, um, number three in America for, I think, a couple of weeks, I think. And then China, Japan, uh, Korea, everywhere. Just to backtrack a second. So now, I mean, you flew back and forth and back and forth. And I mean, when they initially brought you back, though, Charlene, as this almost like a one hit wonder, even though you'd done several albums that were not promoted in several songs. Unfortunately, they're not promoted. They know you for this big hit. It was a great song. I mean... And and it unfortunately it fizzled. I mean, and I, and I'm guessing that the songwriters and the and the recording studios are the ones that that make the money, and the singers usually left out to just perform the song yeah. that they like. Yeah. Uh, hired by, you know, a venue to perform only. Yeah, I didn't do a lot of venues. 
Um, oh, that's surprising. I kind of suffered from a little bit of PTSD from mm-hmm. my previous marriage. It's, it's a long story, which I don't, it's too dark. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I suffered a little bit of that and it came over into my life, even though, mm-hmm. Marco, I will mm-hmm. blow your mind in the studio. I'm a studio mm-hmm. person. Okay, I can do studio. Put me on stage and I'm okay. I can sit and play my yeah. piano and sing. But have me standing there like that holding a microphone, I get a little bit of stuff, anxiety. So I mm-hmm. think I kind of shied away a lot from doing okay. a lot of performing. You know, I do like I did a lot of small clubs with my mm-hmm. piano, me singing, you know, Never Been to Me and doing some original yeah. songs. I can do that. You know, but but doing a lot of well, actually, in in England in 2006 through 2008, six, seven, eight, mm-hmm. about three years, I did a lot of uh, uh, gay clubs in in London. I was a gay mm-hmm. icon, and they loved wow. me, and I had so much fun. Oh, that was great. But I was on stage doing like one song and then California dream and dance, which I did a rendition of, which is incredible. So great. So I did that, but I was on and off on and off. And they were like cheering, Mm -hmm. you know, I did an up-tempo version of I've never been to me. That's nice though. A cool clubby version of it would be fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Through all of it, like, like many other artists, you know, they go through ups and downs, Charlene, but you came back as a person, you came back fine. You're married. You have an, another daughter or two. I have I'm three guessing. daughters. A, I have three. Three daughters. Three so daughters. you have two more daughters from from the, the other the newer marriage. Yes, I got one Chadney's from my ex husband long time ago, mm-hmm. and Bethany and Jessica are from Jeff now. Which is lovely. Yeah. So you still moved forward. You didn't just like crumble. Oh, you're, no. you're, you're still in the studio. Yeah. You're writing. You're you're pretty much a studio musician at yeah. this time yeah. and, a, and a songwriter and a singer yeah. because at this age, it seems like you're, you're flourishing cre- yeah, creatively as a newer person. Yes. You you're know, absolutely like right. Just, uh, you know, like a lot of us reinvent ourselves, you know, That's one it. role model is Madonna yeah. constantly reinventing yeah. ourselves, yeah. but we kind of do it on a little mini me level yeah. between you, me and some other friends that we know. Yeah. And that's okay too, you know, because you still keep that sanity and you keep moving on and you're still living life and still being creative. And let me ask you, do you have any plans of recording any of this music to be coming out on, in, on an independent level? Um, I don't know. May Possibly. Possibly. Yes. Okay. This song called This Old House. Oh, it's so sad. It's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful song. All my, all my songs are kind of sad. I do have a yeah. little bit of an empathy in me for writing mm-hmm. and for music and stories. I'm a storyteller. And my book, oh, Marco, my book, Orphan Train, has been released. And did you know that little Charlene here, a girl mm-hmm. who never graduated high school, I'm not ashamed to say it. It just me too. happened. It happened mm-hmm. to me. I was into music and horses. But this little girl sitting here. My book is in the Library of Congress. What? It's a historical fiction. It's about World War II. It's a love triangle between a commandant and a beautiful, beautiful Jewish girl, a Polish Mm. Jew girl who fell in love and the triangle, the crazy. But this book is, I got Mm -hmm. a glowing review of my book. 
from Shoreline Productions. And I thought maybe it was going to be picked up as a film because it's so movie. It's so movie. I mean, if mm-hmm. I told you the, oh, oh my gosh, it's incredible. It, it may get picked up over time. And some things sit on shelves for five or 10 years yeah, oh, and then somebody picks it up and reads it and yeah. it's like, huh, why don't we do this? It happens more often than not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I hope so. Because it would you make never know. a marvelous movie. And that was what, a few years ago you wrote yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And are you writing other stuff now in I'm, terms of books or short stories? Yeah, I've written another book called Oliver's Army, The Book and the Quill, which is kind of like a kind of Stephen Kingish kind of horror story. And then mm-hmm. I wrote another one called The Chip, which is about a psychological medical mystery. It's a medical, hmm. it's a medical mystery and the chip in the brain and how we Oof, it's scary. And then Orphan Train. And then I've got a lot of other little stories going around in my head that I want to do. But Wow, Charlene. Love. So these books, yeah. these books, the the, right, the the music that you're writing now, yeah. the lyrics you're writing, and you're this, this 1980s pop star. Yeah. I mean, and you still keep evolving and writing. Yeah. It's, I yeah. mean, just the genres of the books you just mentioned to me. They're very different, all three yeah, of them. Yeah, they're really the difference. I'm going to give you a capsule and nutshell thing mm-hmm. of Orphan Train. A beautiful Jewish girl, family taken by the Nazis, okay? So this girl, Christina Nava is her name, and she is being watched by this commandant. One evening, one day, she's working, and they called her to come and go to one of the commandants. And she's like, what do you want me to do? He goes, I want you to paint me. I know you're an artist because I've seen your doodling pad. I want you to draw me a mural on this wall. It's going to be the Fuhrer's headquarters. She does this. So the Fuhrer, come, the, the, the commandant comes in and he sees that and he beats her and he rapes her. She falls pregnant and a nurse has taken her under her wing. She goes, Christina Nava, we need to get your babies. She has twins. We need to get your babies out of here. But before they go, I'm going to tattoo them with a name. And it says, Freedom. In, in Polish, both ankles, both kids. Okay. So she goes, I'm going to get them to the orphan train. 25 years in the future, we see a Daniel and a David. They're both artists. Mm-hmm. They've been both having nightmares of that picture because Christina Nava has been praying to God that the children will find her through art. Okay. And God has answered that prayer. They're both oh. having dreams. They don't know each other. They don't even know each other exists. All they know is I've got a weird little tattoo on their ankle. Mm-hmm. They don't know what it says. They don't know what it means. So he's drawing a picture. He's making mm-hmm. a painting. And this guy, is he did a sculpt. David walks in. He sees the sculpt. Mm-hmm. He looks, and it's his picture. He said, this has been my dream all my life. He goes, this has been my dream. And he goes, let me ask you. Can I see your ankle? And they both have freedom Mm. in Polish on their ankle. So now a stranger comes. You have to follow me. You have to come to Poland with me. You have to Mm -hmm. come to Germany with me. They're driving to the museum of where the commandant was and everything. It's all ripped down Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and they go to this wall. That's my painting. And that's my sculpt. He goes, your mother did this. Your mother Mm. painted this. They get in the car again. They they go way out into the wilderness. They park the car. There's a beautiful little cottage way back. Boys, somebody wants to meet you. They walk back. There's a frail figure laying there, and it's their mother. She goes, I was waiting for you. 
Wow. I want to like, oh, I want to read that book. You got it's it's on it's in Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's in uh, Barnes and Noble. It's in it's in a lot of places. I'm sure you can get it a lot. Mm-hmm. I have one year I could send you. I got an autograph for you. Ooh. You know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's 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 like the screen. I've got a friend who's going to do a screenplay with me. Mm-hmm. We want to make it a screenplay. I, I love it. Wow. I love the story. I, I love the story. After, what a great oh, story. And I'm telling you that that should be a film. Ooh, I want to read it. Yeah. So not <laughs> yes. only that, I mean, here you are and you have original music. You know, that voice is lovely and it's still lovely. Thank you. You know, still lovely and still youthful and charming. And, you know, you go through life, you get married, you get divorced, you get married, you have more kids. In between that, you're right. right? Yeah, you live in England, you live in Los Angeles, back and forth. (laughs) And here you are approaching 70 and you're still this flower child. I love it. I'm I'm happy. Yeah. And you know, my little dogs, my little dogs, Mark. They're adorable. They're 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 like my little kids. Yeah. You know, I need that energy. Mm-hmm. I need that energy in my life because I have a lot of yeah. my doctor yeah. said, You're not sixty-eight years old, you're like thirty. Yeah. <laughs> You've got too much energy. Yeah. I like that. I love, I love life. I love people. I flourish when I look, when I'm around people, when I worked in Walmart, I worked Mm -hmm. in Walmart for a little while. I flourished. I loved it. I wasn't getting paid anything. It was terrible. But I didn't care about the money. I just care about the people. That's how I was. I worked at Charlene as a waiter for years, as a manager, as yes. a maitre d'. I worked in retail yeah. as a, as a sales clerk for jeans. You probably florist. I was you the best. It. I loved every yeah. second of it. To this day, I yeah. love it. If yeah. I could be a maitre d in a restaurant, I enjoy oh it. Oh my god! I know you need that. Mm-hmm. We need that. Yeah. For the kind of people that we are, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like my husband does law and he's very left brain. He's got that thing. I could never do what he does. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. It would be like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how I am. I did paperwork files. It's like, oh, ugh, what is that? Oh, yeah. And it's funny because both of my daughters from Jeff are both like that. Hmm. They're my middle daughter, Jessica. Mm-hmm. She sounds like Alicia Keys when she sings. Wow. You should hear this girl hmm. sing. She wants nothing to do with it. She's a brainiac now. She yeah. <laughs> she's like at a head of this big company <laughs> making tons and tons of money. You know, and they're like, okay, that's what you want to do. But, you know, yeah. but she sings. And Bethany sings too. She's yeah. a, oh, Bethany is like the voice of an angel. Wow, well, just she like yours. Like they probably yeah. listened to a lot of your records in the past, you yeah, know. Yeah, but you know what? My voice has gotten so husky now because mm-hmm. I'm older and it's deeper and, you know, it's, but I like it. I like it. Yeah. It's fun. It's evolved with, 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 your, with your age and stuff and it's yeah, moved on exactly. and it's fine and it's still good, but it's different. Like, it's like different. other singers, you know, things change and evolve. Charlene, yeah. that's exciting. I'm so happy for you. You had this incredible weird career at Motown and and had this insane <laughs> song that didn't go anywhere and then come back and you decided to give it up and it becomes a mega hit across the world and everyone's like who is this yeah. girl and then you get flown around the world performing it everywhere and then you get a, a, a second chance with another song and then because of politics and racism you got yeah, that's nailed right. and that's uh, right. unjustly right. so and and therefore you couldn't perform anymore. And they just, you know, they labeled you the way they wanted to label you. And you're like, I'm done. I can't just keep going on and fighting. It's a big fight. 
So it's I like, know, yeah, I'm just going to move on, you know? Yeah. I, and you know what's funny? One other thing, maybe you can spike this in, but when we did, I've never been to me, we cut the talking part in, we put it in. And in the seventies, they said, Oh, that's corny. We don't, we, and then they took it out, mm-hmm. but then Ron put it back in, in 82. And I'm thinking, I wonder, cause it kind of explained the whole song. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, paradise is, it's a lie. A fantasy we create about people and places as we'd like them to be. But you know what truth is? It's that little baby you're holding. It's that man you fought with this morning. The same one you're going to make love with tonight. That's truth. That's love. Wow. You know? And that's kind of beautiful. Hard. You know what? People all over the world remember those lyrics and especially that oh, talking I part know. of it. I want to thank you, Charlene, for being uh, on on my little um, podcast, Deepui, and <laughs> and telling me about... This adventure, I mean, we could probably go on for hours about family things and, and business, yeah. part of the the record business, which I also know is, is very harsh, and it's an it's unjust harsh. business as an artist. And you flourish. A lot of people don't make it till 68 when they don't move forward in their in their in the career that they were working on. You know, they, they kind yeah. of give up. Yeah. And you didn't. Yeah. You went sideways and decided to write more and then write books, and I'm going to get married yeah. again and have kids. It's like... <laughs> That's it's another really chapter. Silly. No. I love to get silly. Yeah. I am so silly. I met with a girlfriend who hadn't seen me for 40 years. And she said, Charlene, one thing I remember about you, you were always a goofball. <laughs> <laughs> you were always crazy fun. I used to stand up on the back of my horses and run. Uh, standing uh, up bareback. Bareback. Oh my God. I was like an Indian. I was like an Indian. I had this little, this little leather strap around my horse's chest. Wow. And that was the way I geared no bridle, nothing. I was like an Indian. Wow. I was so daring. Wow. I'm still pretty daring. Yeah, you're still not, pretty daring like because that. you're daring yeah. enough to like keep challenging yourself for other things and moving yeah, forward. Yeah. And you're not giving up. You're just still going on. Well, People at 68 no. are playing golf somewhere and, and like halfway gone. And here oh, you are like, God, I'm no. on the next chapter. What are we going to do now? Oh, I want to think about my next book. And I got a, I got a really good idea. Mm-hmm. I got a really good idea of what I'm going to do. When I get it going, I'll tell you about Okay. It. Good, good, it can good. Be really cool. I want to thank you for that. So yeah, and oh, and, and I know okay. we're going to touch base when I get to LA, hopefully in a month. But I wanted oh. to thank you for coming on and uh, so and sharing your stories. Just a few of them. That's a bit of a tease, but they're you know you tease this enough to to want more. So I appreciate yeah. that. Thank, thank you, honey. You. And thank you. Thanks for hubby for putting up with us, you know, because he's got to be quiet while we're working. Oh, it's okay. He's, he's in there doing business. Good. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. Okay, Okay. honey. Um, we'll speak soon. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much. Bye honey. This concludes our podcast with the lovely and always upbeat vocalist, Charlene. Until next time, this is Mark Akira signing off.